Welcome to the latest edition of First Date Cop Bites podcast. Um, it is Monday, February 1st. Uh, we're into the second month already. Um, the day after Liverpool beat West Ham United three goals to one at um, whatever that stadium's called, the soulless place that probably is not much different when it has no fans to when it has when it's when it's full of, of people. Uh, wonderful victory that came hard on the people um came hard in the heels of a 3-1 over um Tottenham Hotspur last Thursday um it is and perhaps this is the most significant thing for anyone who's listening or watching um it is transfer deadline day um the uh, the, the close of the day and we're going to talk about uh one definite Liverpool acquisition and one possible Liverpool acquisition um before we're finished um uh, welcome to Daz and to Sean um, joining me today. Good to see you both. Um, the extra we, we didn't record right after the West Ham game, but that's given us uh, kind of even more to talk about in terms of signings and where we might ever see these people play. Um, we'll get to that. But let's start with yesterday in West Ham. Three goals to one. Um, pretty comprehensive victory. Um, well, I'll go to Sean first. What did you What did you learn yesterday? Um, from that, that performance? Uh, what did I learn? I don't know. We looked a lot better. Uh, we, we looked better at Spurs. And then yesterday, um, I thought we kind of continued. I, mean, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it sounds odd to say, but to me, at least, like, I think yesterday was maybe the most satisfying win in the season. Is that, is that a stretch? I don't know. I just, mm. it just felt great. It, we, we looked great. We looked like ourselves, you know, we're scoring great goals. We dominated. It's a shame we gave up the one goal because three, three nil would have been a more appropriate um, final score. I thought, um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, like I thought Nat Phillips had a great game. Um, I think Henderson looks surprisingly good playing that left side center back role recently. Um, one of my biggest takeaways I think was a um, why haven't we been playing Ginny in the six for so long? Ginny has been awesome in the sixth the last two games for me and I think that's to me that's that's the the thing that you know maybe maybe if we had tried it earlier kind of kind of helped solve a lot of our issues um because we were able to push you know Tiago and the other midfielders further forward um you know things were just kind of coming together um I think just about everybody had a great game yesterday with the exception of maybe one player which I won't name um, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, no, it was just, it was a very satisfying win. It, it just, you know, kind of was very uplifting for me at least. So had some doubts after the Spurs game and, um, you know, are we going to continue to play like this? And, I, you know, at least it seems like it looks like we can after yesterday's game. So. So, so I um, did have the chance, um, which I don't usually, before we do these things, to listen to kind of some of the Anfield Raps conversation um yesterday uh well i guess the conversation about yesterday and they said a couple of things uh which i thought we'll, we'll, we'll kind of weave in here one was they didn't seem so high on the performance especially in the first half and they weren't very high on the performance i have to say in the first half at spurs either um but they did say you know um divok Origi, who i'm thinking you're referring to um mm -hmm. did did what the manager asked of him um which is keeping people occupied uh, and that created the opportunities in the second half um, while he was kind of, because um, he, I mean, first of all, he's six foot three. So, so, you know, he's, he's, he's at least a nuisance value to, to most defenders. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about him. Um, but th they, they took a very different view, I think, which was that, um, that his discipline was, a, was a factor in, in the win. Um, without necessarily going down the Divock route. Um, what, what did you learn from yesterday, Daz? Apparently, Shakiri's balls, well, his passes, not necessarily his balls, defy physics. When he put that first-time ball over the top, I'm calling it the splutioning now because I thought like, that's, 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 that's going to end up on a motorway somewhere. And it just dropped out of the sky like it was magnetized to his boot to take nothing away from the way that, 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 that Mo brought it down and, and then similarly dispatched it. It just that, just 
what he did with that ball. I was, and I think that uh, Ben Johnson, also from the Anfield rap said, is like, he just ballooned that. He's like, he's just twatted it out of the park and there it is right on his foot. <laughs> I, I, of, 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 and everyone over him was crowing about the way that, that, that Mo pulled, pulled it down and put it away as they should. But I was just like, that ball was, was incredible because 99.9% of other players take a touch there, go to the byline and cut that back. And at which point, if you go back and look at it, there's someone almost gets back to get a boot on that as, as, as Shaq pulls it down. So it's, if he had have taken that touch, there's every chance that that opportunity never happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I loved Shakiri's energy yesterday. I think we talked about this yesterday, Paul. He's, I don't think he's ever going to win a defender of the year award because, right. and then there was that, uh, that full Rubik's cube body slam that he put on. Who was it? Um, Bowen. Bowen. Bo yeah. Bowen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, you get in the way of someone throwing a Rubik's cube at you. That's what you don't fucking get. <laughs> you forgot right? to slow down. Yeah, he <laughs> 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 just gives his crash pad. <laughs> um, so I was, I was very heartened by, by, by that from Shakiri because again, like you talked about, and I'll, I'll parallel it with, with Divock. You're asking Divock to do something that he doesn't necessarily like to do, and it's be busy. Um, he's. I remember I watched him at the Wolves game at the end of two seasons ago now. In the last game, the last game against Wolves, where everything was on it for us in City, and and I was I was sitting at the top of the cop, actually with your lads, and um, what I was what I took away from that's like, good lord, he doesn't like to run a lot. Yeah. Like it's he's very, he's well, I, I guess the best way of, of 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 putting it is he has a paucity of movement. He's very economical in the way that he moves around the pitch. At least what I saw when I when 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 when, he, when I watched him play. And yesterday he like he put it in. He put it. He did. He did put in a shift, and I'll, I'll give him that. I just think that it's it's a cumulative effect because we expect we expect less and less from him in every game now. It just kind of ties into that narrative that he's that he's not one for us, and and maybe it is time for him to move on. But another thing I took away from that is Klopp definitely knows what he's talking about. Um, I think you and I talked about this yesterday. I think that his plan was always. I was I was nonplussed as to why Bobby didn't start. Uh, we all talk about how he needs rhythm, how he needs uh, how he needs to to play, and I thought he played very well. It was one of his best performances of the season against Spurs. And I'm like, why didn't you keep that going? But I think in the long run, it made more sense to do what exactly what you're talking about is to try and soak up as much space in front of the, their grocks, try and wear them out through movement. We did ping the ball around a lot quicker yesterday than we have in the past, and we pulled them from pillar to post for a bit. Um, Without being with being fairly toothless, so I can see where the Anfield rap is saying like the first half was kind of mm -hmm. we've had better, yeah. but I think that that might have been the kind of the rope a dope aspect of it. So it's good to see that Klopp does know what he's talking about, and the fact that it, it does hinge a lot on the way that we approach games. Because if you look at it, we've we I kind of felt like we've gone back to more of that devil may care attitude. It's like, look, guys, we're gonna you guys do what you do at the back. We're gonna do what we usually do in the midfield. And just do what you can to stop them from scoring. And I think we've seen that in, in the Tottenham game and the, and the West Ham game. It's we've reverted to more of that type. Was like we're not going to coddle you guys in the in, in the center in the center back positions anymore. If we go down one, we'll try and put two in. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a club was talking about bravery, wasn't he? It's like being he was, he was. Braver. yeah. He said he said several things actually, which are probably worth picking up on. Because um, apparently in the LFC TV interview. Um, which I saw reports that I didn't, I didn't see the interview. He, he talked almost as if he did not expect to have so much of the ball in the first half. Mm. Um, that I think he expected West Ham to play like a team in fifth place in the league might play, uh, as opposed to a David Moyes team in fifth place, uh, <laughs> which which sounded a little bit deeper. Um, he, I don't know if you saw him as well in the interview after the game. He said some really interesting things. Like one is they asked him what he changed, and he said, "Well, we talked about a few things, but uh, I'm not going to tell you what that is." So, so presumably they had talked about changing a few things in the way that they play. He also said that that he he felt like in the first half um, they kind of confused themselves by having two number tens. Um, Shakiri and Tiago, uh, mm. I'm, I'm thinking, and they, they kind of changed that in the second half so that they had people to pass to rather than being st stood next to each other, um, which uh, I don't recall happening that many times. But um, so um, many things to, to pick up on and what you said, the Shakiri pass. Um, uh, so, so that, that, that the whole, the whole movement for me was, 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 was worth 
um, kind of spending more time thinking about. Um, Did you guys even have those little plastic balls when you were kids, when you you yeah. tow it and, and it had corkscrew or to go in 45 yeah. different directions before it went straight again? Do you guys yeah. remember those? Like they were uh, red or yellow or blue and they had like the, the lines, the black lines painted on them. Do you yeah. remember those? Yeah. You hit that ball. That's exactly what I thought. It was like, Jesus Christ. It was like one of those things. Like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so Klopp said he thought he had overhit him. Yeah, it just dropped right, and mo most sort of adjusted to it. And he did do really well, but it was a great pass. I saw some graphic that looked at the difficulty of both Trent's and Shaq's pass, and they were both like you know something like around only around forty percent of the time those passes are completed or something like because that. Because that's high. Yeah, it, it was it was it was something you know relatively low, but and I, I should say I should correct my what I you know I guess I'm I'm just thinking about how I came away from the game. I, I did it at halftime. I was thinking like, wow, you know, we, it was a little, it was a bit boring, but at the same time we had control of the game, um, you know, so, but yeah, it's, you know, it was, it was a very satisfying win at the end of the day. So. Yeah. Well, I think that the club might've been right. Had we not played as well we, as we did against Spurs. I think that Moyes might've shits himself a little bit. And he's like, Oh God, these guys are back. They just did this to Spurs and Spurs are no mugs. Yeah. And arguably, their, their league position belies how good they actually can be at times. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they just twatted these guys on their own on their own park. Like maybe maybe I should reconsider what I'm going to be doing. So he might well have said, like, look, let's let's try and play like the the, the way team and try and beat them on the break. Yeah, I mean the the opposing both teams, and we'll talk about Spurs. I know, but the tactics from the other managers in both games were weird to me. Like. Against Spurs, that was just – I don't know what Marino was thinking. That was just a bizarre lineup, and the way he went after that game was strange to me. It was very unlike him, and I don't know. The back three didn't really work, and and I you know, dominated the game. But And West Ham, um, it's almost like Moyes – I don't know if he's, like, afraid of playing us or something because of his time at Everton because they set up so conservatively, and they, and they don't normally play like that. Um, and – you know, I think maybe that helped us. I don't know. I, I, I think I just I, I think the biggest thing for me is I think we the midfield just has worked much, much better the last two games. I mean, um, Mil I think this is the best Milner's look to me in years. I mean, he, he's, he's been very good in both games, especially against Spurs um, and getting Tiago further forward. Tiago's, you know, he's not a six. And, um, you know, I, th I think putting Ginny in the six and allowing Tiago the freedom to kind of go forward has really helped the attack a lot. In the last two games, so so a few, a few things to pick up on. A few things to pick up on there, Sean. That I don't know if you saw the Moyes interview before the game, he was basically arguing with the interviewer about what chance they had, because um, they were like, "Oh, you, you're right behind them. You got this number of points." He's like, <laughs> the, "The champions, <laughs> like we're you know, we're not going to finish anywhere near them." Which which is an interesting strategy, right, for your team to. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. The other thing I should say, you know, if we move on. Um, is how in the hell did Suchek not get sent off? You know, he, he was on a yellow and, and Dawson. kicked Henderson yeah. right in the yeah. head. Yeah. Like, how is that not a card? Yeah. That, that was, I just, I couldn't believe that one. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like it got enough coverage. Like, if Henderson had been facing a different way, he could have kicked his teeth out. And, and Henderson's not a small guy. Six, six yeah. foot. I mean, that was that's, ridiculous. That must be a secret Newcastle fan. Must be a Toon fan, <laughs> quietly. Well, well, you know, I, I mean, uh, maybe we can kind of, kind of wrap up the West Ham chat and go on to talk about Tottenham. But if you'd have told me, I think you did tell me that we had Atkinson and Moss our next two referees, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, the fill. <laughs> how the how the heck is Moss passing a fitness test too? I want to know that. It looks like me running out there, and he's fifty years old. Uh -huh. You know, uh, I'm sure I'm sure he's passed the test fine, Sean. <laughs> Just to talk to what Sean was saying about how managers set up, I think that Klopp has a lot of apartment space and other managers' heads that he doesn't pay for. And I think that sometimes they they probably overthink what they need to do to beat him. And he's like, uh, I'm just going to pretty much do what I always do. And you guys need to try and catch up. Because How many times has he beaten Mourinho? I don't think – has Mourinho beaten him as, as the Liverpool boss and the 52 so. other clubs that he's, that he's, that he's coached for since, since Klopp came in? I'm not sure if Mourinho has ever beaten him. I, I I don't I don't know what the record is. Maybe he has, but someone said that was it was part of the commentary mentioned it, and I was like, wow, that's it's like twelve times or something like that. And he's I think he's I don't think he's ever beaten him. So you could be you could forgive Mourinho for thinking he's like, well, today might not be my day. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So let's 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 talk about. I mean, we can come back to uh, some of the performances. I, I do think, by the way, the Salah second goal is 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 a shout for goal of the season. Um, yeah. Uh, what what my son was upset about was if, if, many if Trent hadn't taken three touches to make his pass, it would have been <laughs> like a five touch goal, <laughs> like Robertson one, three for Trent, one for Shaqiri, two for Salah. Another thing with that, just real quick. Um, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with this hand game, but I, you know, we don't want to take up too much time. But the third goal was like classic Bobby. I mean, that was just beautiful to see that. That that goal was. I mean, Ox did make the nice little flick, um, but Bobby just sort of saw that the whole way and set the whole thing up. That was just great. Yeah. Well, someone sped it up. There was like 35 passes, I think, in between. Was like when I read something like something along those lines, and it yeah. it just looked like one of those training ground exercises where the other teams already like 22 point 22 goals down and like uh, sod this. So they kind of sauntered across, made a half to half ditch half ditch effort to to really put some pressure on. And we were just like, man, was goal was like watching a Benny Hill goal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess we were definitely helped by the fact that the two central midfield players couldn't miss a tackle after because they were both on cards mm. and I think I said to you yesterday there was one point and I watched it back last night where Rice looked Jesus what is this about it was like running back kept running back and trying to you know having no effect on the outcome of the game uh sort of um one more thing on Firmino before we Switch definitely talk about Tottenham. Um, I believe he's in the red zone. That's what they said. That's why he wasn't playing. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they determined he wasn't. Yeah, it wouldn't have been good for him to play the whole match. But but he was pretty spectacular at Tottenham. So why don't we why don't yeah. we talk about that, um, Sean? Um, I guess now we have a, a like a ev- body of evidence that that kind of something clicked back into gear and. Uh, I guess it, it, it might have started at United, but it certainly continued at Spurs, even if the unfair rap story was that we weren't that great in the first half. Um, yeah, so I, I actually watched most of that match back, and I, I agree. I, I don't agree with that double cap on Origi, but I'll let that go. But I do totally agree. Like, yesterday's match, and I would forgotten about this, I, at halftime, I think I said, like, a, like a yawn, like it was – like I was bored um, – we we dominated the match in terms of possession, but we just weren't creating a whole lot. Spurs, when I watched it back, I think it was about, you know, maybe the first 25, 30 minutes was really pretty even. It was more than I, I, I thought it was. Yep. Um, they, and they, you know, looked like they were going to, you know, threaten here or there. Um, but we kind of just grew into the game. And, um, you know, again, I think it was, I think it was just, for me, at least, the big difference in these last two games has been has been the midfield. The, the midfield's just worked a lot better, and um, I think all all three in the midfield in in the Spurs game were just outstanding. I thought you know Jenny was great in the six. I thought I, I kind of I saw afterwards people were like critical of Tiago's performance. He had a couple of rash challenges, and people were like, "Oh, he's a red card waiting to happen," which I think is a bit of a stretch, um, mm-hmm. you know, but. I, th- I thought I actually thought Tiago had had a, a very good game. He had a great influence on our on our front three. To me, he he and Milner were doing what we've really been missing a lot this season in terms of just being that link, getting forward, co- you know, kind of connecting with the front three. Um, and yeah, I mean Milner for me, Milner's game against Spurs was was the best I've seen him play probably since our Champions League run. Um, he, he was great. He was making the runs into the box. He was just super active. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was just kind of great. I mean, so, and I think we were a little bit fortunate in that, like when the game first started, Monty misses that chance and you're like, Oh, come on, not, not, a, you know, this again. And then they go down and they score. And then they, they actually called a VAR decision in our favor for once <laughs> with, with son's arm being offside or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, that, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe that was like a, a good sign early on, um, that, you know, we weren't at least going to get shafted in, in the game, even though I, I still don't think the officiating in either game was very good. Um, the stuff came out later on. Yeah. It so it was after we, after we took control of the Spurs game and we were well ahead, that's when the real Atkinson came in. <laughs> we were just getting no calls, nothing. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It, it started to get to, to one of those things where I was just like, "You got to be kidding me! Somebody's going to get hurt here." Um, and you know, 
we, we you know we saw the game out but yeah it was it was great performance and um i i guess at the end of that game i was like well we'll see when we play west ham i guess for real because it felt great to finally get a win especially against spurs but they came out with that weird lineup i, I don't think it was their best 11 mm-hmm. um and I was kind of like, uh, I don't know, we'll have to see. And then, so it was great to kind of see the next performance against Spurs against West Ham, where I, I thought we were even better in the second half. Um, so I, I think you may be onto something though about the mindset because I think that's the, the is it the tenth game now we played against them where we haven't lost. Um, like that last defeat was the Lovren pulled the twenty five minutes or whatever it was game. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the one thing I would observe, uh, uh, and uh, I may, uh, 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 so I so I get my thoughts clear between the different matches. I started making notes during the uh, the, the the Spurs game, and one of the things that, that I noted to myself was that Tiago hadn't been listening when everyone warned him about Atkinson clearly, um, <laughs> because he was trying to argue his case. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is yeah, this is the guy who books Liverpool players for fun. Uh, just uh, yeah, it's it's funny. Like he's you know it's. It's every time he does something rash, he like explains to them like, "Oh no, you don't understand. I know more about this." Right, <laughs> which is I really wasn't doing that. Yeah, but <laughs> the other thing I'd say, I, I want to say about the game is that um, I think the Kane injury helped us out a lot. Um, which, but to be fair, that that Kane when he tried to pull his little dirty move against Henderson, where he he if you looked at it, the ball was coming in and he he looked back like he does, like he was going to undercut him. Yeah. And Henderson didn't fall for it. Henderson didn't go up for it. And Kane sort of went back to lean into him. And that's when he twisted his ankle or whatever he did. Um, I think that that helped us a lot because he really wasn't the same for the rest of the match. But, mm-hmm. um, you know. So so uh, I, uh, um, we can talk more about Kane, but uh, I, I don't need to personally um, <laughs> no. i'd rather go back and talk about uh I, I i not only though i think Firmino had uh, just an outstanding game and, and when he came on yesterday he showed some of the same touches but i thought the one big difference for me was that trent was looking much more to play risky oh, yeah. passes than he has been in in in, in the recent past so i i know what, kind of what, where you want to go in terms of observing about the spurs game but um i, I do think it's worth a, a shout out because there were a few times where, you know, he was under pressure and the temptation has been like over the last month to knock the ball back to Allison or maybe one of the central defenders instead of which he was trying to fire it forward um, to, to Salah, who seemed always to be available. Mm-hmm. Daz. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, go ahead, Daz. I, I was just going to say, it, it seems like, like to Daz's point earlier, it, it almost seems to me like they've been given, you know, that liberty to, to push forward again and be more aggressive but I don't know if that's the case, but Trent's definitely come back to life the last couple of games. He's looked great. Yeah. Daz, you still with us? I am. Um, it's just, we had, oh, the weather's kind of killing my, killing my, uh, my, my internet access. Is that better? Yeah, you, yeah, you're good. It looked fine from our end. Yeah. I, that we we've got like kind of the Leroy Jenkins version of uh, of Trent back, who's willing to bomb on down the line and <laughs> and get involved. Whereas we didn't we didn't seem to have that for a for a second. And I think that was primarily because there were it seemed like it was more instructed. Like please don't leave these guys too for the by themselves for too long. You know we need to we need to try and give them as much as much help as we can. And uh, I think they, uh, I think they unshackled him a little bit. And Robo, Robo seems to be the one that's that, that is that is now. I, I wonder if Robo isn't like isn't in the red zone. I know that we we kind mm-hmm. of expect him to just to go on and yeah. and be Robo and do Robo things. But I, I wonder if if he's just, he just looks a little jaded sometimes. He, I think he's he's not as crisp as he was. He, he doesn't go down the line as much as he used to. So I wonder if he's not. Uh, if, 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 if he's not, he might need a, he might need a little sit down, maybe Simicus against, against Brighton. I realize that we need the points and, but I wonder if like a little sit down for him wouldn't, wouldn't be, wouldn't be like, wouldn't be helpful. Mm-hmm. But um, against Spurs, it was just nice to see us to, to take a different mindset. And I think I said to, to Paul the other day was it felt like that we needed to hit that bottom against Burnley 
And now as a result, I think we're on our way back up. I just think that people said, you know, the hell with this. Like, let's, let's just be us again. And I think Klopp mentioned that and in his press conference. And then the Anfield Rap talks about this all the time. I think it's Mo talks about um, how, how you can generally tell uh, how Klopp feels about our chances, uh, depending on his mood when he comes into press conferences. Yeah. And I think he, when he came into the press conference again for uh, Spurs, he was very upbeat. And I think that, uh, well, for obvious reasons, like, you know, we, we, I think we look pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, the it, it's interesting. Maybe we'll, we'll touch on this in the, uh, in the kind of acquisition of players, but I do wonder whether the, um, the realization that they were going to get some reinforcements in uh, played a part in, in the kind of the, the slightly different, more kind of risk taking mindset. I think it definitely could have played a part in terms of the mentality of the, the team. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of, I was sort of, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, just throwing that idea out there. I think the last time we were on um, that, you know, if you look at when our dip in form happened, it would, it seemed to have come right after that meeting, whatever they talked about in that meeting right before the new year. And, um, you know, I was suspecting like maybe that's when Klopp told them that we're probably not bringing anybody in. And, um, you know, you could understand how that would be a pretty big downer for all the, all the players that really, you know, fought, fought their ass off to, to get to that point where we were top of the table at Christmas and the new year. And then, you know, to hear nobody's coming in. Um, you know, so that could, I, I think that very well could have played a part. We won't, you know, we won't know until somebody's book comes out in a couple of years or whatever. But um, <laughs> it, it does seem like the whole mentality has changed, you know, over the last week or so just, and you see it, especially like with Trent. Um, I, I don't know if it's just a coincidence or what, but it just seems like everybody's just up for it again. So there, there definitely is going to be a book if they win something this season, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Either way. Yeah. yeah. A crazy season. Oh, so, so um, two great performances. Um, got Brighton coming up on Wednesday and then City next Sunday. Um, we, well, let, let, let's, let's talk about the new acquisitions. I don't know whether either of them will play a part in either of those games. Um, and let, let's kind of pull our ignorance on what we know. Um, first of all, uh, as we're recording this, Ben Davis has signed. That's uh, kind of out there. I think it's Liverpool website says it. So that, that's that's kind of as good as you can get. Um, I'll, I'll start with what I read. Mark Lawrence's comments about him um, saying that he didn't think he was, he, he thought he'd be below uh, Nat Phillips in the pecking order. So that's uh, first thing to say. Any, any, any other insights or is it just a question of like, Hey, we have another center back. Who cares how good he is at this point? I, I don't know anything about him other than what I've read over the last day. It sounds like he's, you know, from what I've seen, it's, you know, he's, he's more, he's quicker, more of a ball playing center back than, than that Phillips, but probably about at the same level um, overall. So maybe not quite as good in the air. I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen him play, so we'll see, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, we lost Daz. Okay. Um, keep, keep going. I'm, I'm so, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I personally think that it, it it's it's good to just get some players in there that can play center back. Yeah. You know, maybe against some of some of the bottom table teams, we can play Nat Phillips and Davies or Nat Phillips and another center back and push Henderson and Fabino into the midfield, and um, you know, see how we play against City. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. I think it's helpful just to have some people in there that can, that can sort of fill that void, you know, because what, what happens, what my worry was all along is sort of what ended up happening with Fabinho or he gets hurt. Like, you know, if you're thinking like, well, what happens if Fabinho gets hurt, then we're in really bad shape. Well, fortunately for us, Henderson had already stepped into the left center back role and we're like, okay now, but we have Henderson and Nat Phillips and like, that's it. <laughs> There's nobody else available. So that's not a good position to be in either. So even having that, you know, if it's even if it's somebody's like Davies to rotate, I think that still is very important. We have so many games we have to play. You can't you can't just count on, 
you know, midfielders converted to center backs who are playing with injuries, you know, we were just down to kind of dire circumstances there. So, um, and I don't know what the case is with Maddup, but I've, I've seen and read that he might be out for the rest of the season. So, you know, we don't know that, but if the club knows that, then that, that could be another reason why they'd go out and do this. Yeah. So, so, so uh, we got Daz back. Good. Um, so we're just talking about uh, uh, Ben Davis and I guess we're pulling our ignorance really. The other thing I, I noticed is he's left footed. That's a pretty deep pool. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like uh, drowning elephants in that. How many tweets have you looked at regarding Ben Davis, the guy who doesn't play for Tottenham, right? All of them. Yeah. Well, all three of them were available. So I, I, I did a little bit of listening and, and so they had like the quote unquote experts in, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this, but I think that the consensus seems to be that he has a higher ceiling than everyone's willing to, that everyone seems to believe is like, oh, he's only 2 million. Why are we going for championship players? And then the obvious rejoinder was, um, well, you know, you have Andy Robertson, Jeannie Wijnaldum were both on teams that were getting relegated. Mm-hmm. But it's a little disingenuous because they did play at the highest level. So it wasn't like they were coming from a lower level to a higher level. They were at a higher level going down. Um, but I, I think I, I get a good feeling about this kid. If he's a ball playing center back, I remember Alan Hansen was similar to that. I remember like, it's, it's well, I think it's pretty well documented that he wasn't spectacular in the air either. Yeah. So uh, it, it depends what you're looking for. I think if you could stitch the two center backs together, you'd probably have the perfect unit, like the, the perfect unison or uh, unity of two of the type of player that we probably want. I think that they were looking at that. What's his name? Uh, Coletta Carr, mm-hmm. the, the Croat. Yeah. And then there were, uh, uh, what's his name? Carr, Carr something or other. Um, Carmo. Yeah, yeah, from Braga. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. So we definitely have a type. We want someone that can ping a diagonal ball, like a Virgil-esque ball over the top, a more ball-playing centre-back, and, and then pair them next to someone that is more like a Grok, uh, mm-hmm. that's willing to do more of the dirty work. From what I've seen about this, Kavak is he's um, he's a bit rash. They say he's got shades of Lovren to him. Mm. Um, I, but anyway, so we can get, I guess we can get to him in a second. But Davies, from everything I've seen so far, uh, they're saying like the, on the on the upside of it, the, the he has a higher ceiling than people are willing to give give him. He's 25, which is kind of when you find anyone that's a centre back specifically is like kind of it's kind of that golden age where they where they become the centre back that they. They, they, I guess they blossom into the center back that they're going to be. And from what I can, from what I've read is like, he's, he, he does have a, a lot of chops and oftentimes you never really get to see the best of someone unless they're paired with someone that's potentially better than they are. And they help, it helps to raise their game. And he's working with one of the best coaches in the world. So I don't think that, the, I don't think anyone's going to go out and say like, this is the dream move for us. It definitely is for him. Yeah. However, the, 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 I, I think that we have a pretty good, a couple, a, a couple of potentially pretty good young centre backs, and one thing I saw with this uh, with Kabak was that he, because he's twenty, he doesn't he doesn't eat into our homegrown players, so mm-hmm. we don't have to get rid of anybody because he's only twenty. Oh, okay. I didn't so know. That's, yeah. So so Ozan Kabak has played for is it the worst defence in the Bundesliga for some for a year now. Um, I, I, I can't I confess I haven't seen a single Schalke game, but the numbers don't look great. What, what, <laughs> what, 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 um, but apparently uh, Klopp's best friends, um, well, at least one of them says that Wagner, that, that, uh, Wagner says that uh, Kabak has a high ceiling. What, yeah, what, do you, what do you know, Sean? I mean, it, I, we were linked with him last summer too. Okay. And um, the, the reporter that's a, I think he's in English, Chris Williams, but he reports on Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. He linked us to him um, last summer saying that we would have been talking to Schalke about a potential move. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, the word on him is he's, you know, he's 20 years old. He's got immense potential. He's, you know, one of the best in the world, apparently in the air. He, he, he's incredibly dominant in the air. Um, and um I mean, the fact, I, I guess I'm not overly concerned about the fact that he plays on the Schalke defense because Schalke are, are a complete disaster right now. So if he's surrounded by a bunch of, you know, terrible players, I'm not going to fault him for that necessarily. Um, and I don't know if that's the case, but especially as a 20 year old, you know, if you're on an awful team, it, it's sort of understandable that it's going to be frustrating and 
Um, and so now, you know, we're potentially taking him off of that and throwing him into our team where he's potentially going to be playing next to Virgil van Dyke. So that's a, that's a totally different scenario. Yes. Notes. Matt <laughs> <Nat> Phillips. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you, if you pair him next to Virgil, you know, it's, it's like, it's hard. If he's as good in the air as they say, it's hard to believe that we'll ever lose a header in the box, which is kind of nice to think about, you know, and I, I like the fact that he's so young and, and can kind of grow up, maybe be mentored by Virgil and, and hopefully become a, a great player. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm more high on him than I think most people are just because um, he's recently been valued by a lot of people, you know, just kind of in the market before last summer, even like close to 50 million, million pounds. Um, yeah. So he's been very highly rated. Um, and the fact that we might get him for 18 million, we got him on a loan so we can see if we want to get him. And then if we want to buy him in the summer, we can get him for 18 million. Thank you, Michael Edwards. Yeah. That's another amazing, amazing <laughs> deal for him to pull out. I'm guessing it must take Michael Edwards a, fi- a time to find the photos, actually, I think, of, of uh, whatever evil deed someone at Schalke has done. Because, <laughs> right. like, his price is halved and we don't necessarily, yeah, it just seems. Did you see this tweet that uh, I think it was Justin sent around from the, it was like KFC in the UK and Ireland said, uh, Michael Edwards came in to buy a bucket of chicken. He'd leave with all our chicken for free and a couple of our fryers or something. And our like secret that. recipe. Yeah. Secret recipe from the shirt yeah. off our backs, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so um, I guess money is a big piece of this uh, Quebec thing, uh, Daz. Um, but uh, I mean, it, in in old money, certainly pre-pandemic, that doesn't sound like a lot for at the, for a centre back to get, kind of try him out and then then see if he fits. Well, I know that when we, I'll I'll try and drag a, one of the points that you had in your uh, in your agenda in here, kicking and screaming, was about the Deloitte. Uh, our evaluation and we're only 20 million behind the highly leveraged bunch of red shite down the street um allegedly but i guess i guess value doesn't necessarily attribute i guess it can uh to to what you can afford to shell out in one of the worst financial potential financial crises for for sporting with sporting teams or, or sporting organizations that's that's ever happened at least for something where, where there's, there's this much money involved in sports. So yeah, my thing is like, you have a lot of your quote unquote top rhetoric happening on Twitter and, and amongst friends as well. It's like, well, why weren't they doing this on, on, on January 1st? You should have pushed, well, on January 1st, you wouldn't be get, you wouldn't have pulled this Quebec thing over the, over the line for what we're pulling it over the line with. Like it, there has to be some sort of, I guess brinkmanship is a, is a, is the best way of putting it. And you have a bunch of hedge fund hedge funders in charge of what we do. Of course, they're going to be like, Oh yeah, this is, let's wait these suckers out. And like, <laughs> we, we did, we walked away from, we walked away from Quebec who was highly rated with a massive price tag. We put something down that we thought was, was, was feasible. It might, might've been nice considering where the world was with the finances and they told us to get stuff. So we did, we walked away and now look at us now. So you can't have, you can't have both. You can't say we should have done this on, 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 on uh, January 1st and say, well, well done with the way that you pulled this uh, try before you buy uh, loan fee um, that we just pulled off with, with Kabak because it, w- it wasn't feasible. I don't think it was feasible on January 1st. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that is like, well, you are playing a massive, a massive game of chicken here because what happens if this doesn't get over the line? And uh, like we are stuck with Nat Phillips and potentially Reese Williams when Jordan Henderson goes down with a head wound after being wellied in the head by a six foot 27 Grok. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think fair play to us uh, uh, in terms of, of kind of not blinking, yeah. but that's, it's, it's a really high risk, high reward game that we played. And I just, I, for all, for all the crap that we've gone, gone through in the last month and a half or so, I think that this is, this is a welcome, this is a welcome ray of sunshine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I think to your point, it's unlikely that we would have been able to get anything like this deal if we were negotiating on January 1st, um, you know, based on what they originally tried to, to get Liverpool to pay, uh, particularly for, for, for Kabak. Um, I, I want one, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this in the future. Um, uh, episodes, but on the Deloitte's list, one thing that is interesting is that every team's valuation has gone down significantly. So just to give you an example, last mm-hmm. year, uh, Barcelona were first and they were over 800, they were valued at 800 million. 
uh, and they are down at 7.10, I think, in the 2021 rankings. And we, and we all know from what we've seen that, you know, they're, they're financially not in a great in great shape. So they may be worth that, but they've got a lot of debts uh, and, and the pandemic's not helping anyone with with kind of avoiding those. So. Um, one one of the quick quick thing um, on on the centre backs is when when do you actually see them playing, you know, because like Wednesday feels too soon because uh, one of them's not even in the country. Well, he hasn't even signed. We, I don't know. He might have done in the last forty five minutes we've been recording. Um, so brain hours, right? yeah, City, City. I don't think we're starting anyone new in that game. Um, what what what, what yeah. do you think? Leicester away, Leipzig, um, and then Everton. Mm, that's quite a run of games. Yeah, definitely not before City. I, I could see maybe maybe one or both of them being on the bench at City. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they'll play immediately after that. I would I would expect, you know, if we get Kabak in, that he'll play relatively soon. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Any of those games, maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. That is a tough run, so – well, I think one of the questions that I asked asked us in our, in our little signal group was, um, "What do you do with what do you do with the situation with Matip? Because there was there was some there was some chirps that going on that it was only two or three weeks. Like, do you bomb him straight back into the lineup, uh, or do you try and get some of these kids the, the minutes that they might need? And that, again, the stakes are so high, and you have someone that's an established centre back, and probably when he's healthy, is one of the best centre backs in the country." Like, do you, you say, hey, listen, son, you need to take a seat because we can't rely on you to stay healthy for 45 minutes and we're going to give these kids the time? Or you're like, well, we kind of need the result more than we need to be able to blood these guys. My sense is that Klopp will probably, should Kabak go over the line, I think he'll give him a lot more time than we're, than we're probably like, would like to think is comfortable mm-hmm. because uh, he does, I think in terms of the, the options that he has, he's probably... He's probably the strongest, and especially against a team that likes to go over the top. So against City, you might even see, like, again, like just putting old Ben Davis in there. Because if he has that makeup speed, and that's what rely, that's what City do, do rely on. They're not great in the air, but yeah. they are good in getting in behind. And so if, if, if that's the case and we determine to play that high line, you might need someone like if he does have the type of pace they're talking about, like a Ben Davis that's, that's a little bit more cerebral, of a player that has a bit more speed. I'm not Jurgen Klopp, but uh, I think I, I tend to think that he might give these kids more time than, than we probably feel comfortable with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see a game and, and John is your perspective. I don't see a game coming up um, where it's obvious that you could put someone in. I mean, I, I think it, it seems reasonable to me to think that teams with um, kind of center forwards who want to try and bully you like West Ham or Burnley, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be perfectly comfortable with Phillips. Um, and I think in the last couple of games, he's there have been a couple of inst- – I think in the West Ham game, actually. Uh, I don't know if you said this to me, Daz, but uh, it appeared that people were trying to avoid him at the end of the second half. The ball comes in his direction, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not, not bothering because there's, there's no point. <laughs> it kind of felt like. Um, so I think he'd be good against those guys. We just don't have many of those guys kind of in our near future. Um, yeah. Maybe against Everton. Everton, do you like to? Uh, sorry, sorry, I was just yeah. thinking out loud. Everton, yeah. Will Calvert Lewin, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was going to say the other thing to think about, too, is that if we can get one of these guys in, maybe you play them with Henderson and put Fab at defensive mm-hmm. midfield, and, and you could even play around with Fab dropping in between. You know what I mean? There, there's some things that they could do to try to help protect them a little bit. Um, while also being able to, to get Fab back in the defensive midfield, because we have really missed that. Um, yeah, you know we have our we have our back too that we've been missing. But when when Fab's in defensive midfield, he also helps us. You know, first of all, break up their counterattack and to win those headers. You know, from the defensive midfield position. Um, so I mean that that could help. Kind of, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it makes it a little bit more safe to play them, but. I agree. I mean, definitely not against City. They're not going to play against Brighton. Maybe they get in against Leicester. I don't know. I mean, it'd be, it would be a little risky to play against Leicester. But, um, you know, Leicester is also the type of team that like to play. Mm-hmm. And we tend to thrash those teams. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if most teams that come out to try to play against us and don't sit back, you know, over the last few years, they don't, they don't have a very good 
record against us. Right. Um, City is really the only team that that can compete on that level. So, it, and it is a Vardyless Leicester at this point. So, uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that is that's big. No one yeah. needs to do that. So just to round it out then, um, got two big well, before you do that, can I talk quickly on Ben Davis? I, I, do you guys mention what the potential, I think that the Ben Davis deal to me kind of smacks more of a business proposition because if they're banding around the idea that he's 10 to 15 million pounds in, an, in a good market, I think that might sit on him for a couple of seasons, get up his value because they had a 20% sell-on clause that they added to that, that deal for him as well, which would help out Preston North then to nowhere because I know that they're in kind of financial woe they have their own financial woe so i think that that he gets the fourth slash fifth center back spot and i think that davis might get more time to 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 to, to kind of blood in than kabak probably will um again i'm i'm not clock but i just based on what i've seen from him before i think that they're not going to bring some mug in for the sake of getting him just because he's two million pounds mm. Uh, I think that this 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 smacks of of a of a of a good business deal that they they can potentially get five to seven million more pounds than they paid for him in, in two years. The other thing to think about too is is how much is it worth for us to get Sep going the other way on a meaningful loan, getting that good experience because he's going to play for them. You'd think mm-hmm. you know, he's he's not getting anywhere near our first team. He never has. So um, hopefully you know, he can get some meaningful playing experience and improve his value as well. I don't think he'll ever, ever end up playing for us, but it probably improves, improves his future value. Yeah. So I think the, the net from that is we may never see, we may not see much of Ben Davis, but we, maybe may, we may see enough of him to up his value. Uh, maybe, that, maybe that's it. So, but um, thinking about the here and now, um, just to round it out, uh, two big games this week, uh, Brighton, who just beaten... Um, a very uh, lethargic-looking Spurs uh, for their first home win of the season, uh, and then we play City obviously on Sunday. What What are your hopes and dreams, um, Sean, for, for the, the upcoming week? Uh, you know, I mean, my hope is that we win both games, but um, I think uh, I, I, I mean I'm pretty confident against Brighton. Brighton are also the type of team that are not even if they try to sit back, that's not really how they like to play. Mm. Um, so they're the type of team I, I would think that we'd be able to handle. Um, City's going to be a really interesting game. It's it's really hard for me to see how we uh, really challenge for the title if we don't win that game because we really need to make up ground on them. Um, so it'll be big. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not uh, optimistic about our title chances at this point, but you know, it was pretty recently I was saying like top four I was worried about. And then we had the past week and, and now we're looking a lot better. So this season's just been so weird how it flip-flops. And I guess, you know, you never, you never know what can happen, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty optimistic against Brighton. I mean, against City with the way the position our team's in now, realistically a draw wouldn't be a bad result, um, but we really need a win if we want to challenge for the title, I think. And, um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see kind of how we approach that game and who plays center back and um, you know kind of how we how we match up against them. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's all all I got for those two. It, it's an interesting run we have coming up. You you highlighted it, Paul. It's, we got Brighton, and then we got you know City, Leicester, RB Leipzig, and Everton. <laughs> that's a that's a tough run. Um, so uh, hopefully we make it through all healthy and we have Fabinho back for City. Yeah. So, Daz, um, I, my, my hope, by the way, or, is that the front three plays like the front three have played in, in mm-hmm. uh, certainly they played at Tottenham and the way Salah was playing uh, yesterday. Uh, I, I think we have a chance if, uh, if they click because I don't know that this defense of cities has necessarily been tested. So, so Daz, you have the last word. Brighton, Man City. What's, uh... I want us to beat Brighton 14 0. I'm this type of petty, <laughs> petty that I want us to beat Brighton 14 0. And the three goals that they get are all chalked off through VAR, the bastards. <laughs> so so... Uh, look, I have, I have a secret soft spot for Brighton. I think that they, they like to play football. And. <laughs> I think that the position in the league, and I, I think I've said this before, I don't think it's, it's necessarily an accurate representation of what this team, what they have, the potential that they have, but 
results results rule the day and, and they just haven't had them. Um, I would love to, to, to thump them though, uh, specifically to put down that marker for City because City just came out of the same type of run of fixtures that we had when we, when we tanked it. Um, so, and the results, I think, I know they just squeaked one by, by Sheffield United and it was a very resolute Sheffield United, United uh, performance. I watched some of it. Um, but hopefully, I, I, Pep's not stupid. Like he knows exactly what he's got up against Klopp, and I, and I think he's he's probably like, oh God, these guys are back again, and now they've brought in troops to help out. So, yeah. I think that you're going to find a little bit cagier of a and a more wily type of performance from Pep and his boys, specifically because it's at Anfield. Um, I know that not having the crowd makes a huge difference because with with the what do we have fifty thousand or so there now, you know, yeah. egging us on, it would have been a much different proposition for them. But to Sean's point, it's a six-pointer. Um, if we don't, we're not out of it by by a long shot. And if, if anything, that season's this, this way the season's gone so far has has been proof of that. You know, the fact that Man City is now where they are, where they were in, in, in relation to where they were five weeks ago. Um, I think that this 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 is such a crazy year and such a crazy league. I think anything is possible. But yeah, it's, it, it, it is a a couple of really big matches. Um, Brighton, I don't be surprised to think they're a nimble team. So I think that they're going to give as good as they get, at least going forward. So I think that the centre-back pairing, I don't think that he's going to, I don't think he'll deviate from what we have right now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll probably be Henderson and, and, and Phillips. And against City, I think that Klopp is going to go blood and thunder against City. I think it, that that'll be him his, his 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 way of saying it's like, look, you guys thought that we were that we were down and out, but we were just a slightly wounded tiger, and he'll go for the jugular. Yeah, I always like the last word to be jugular because I think that's a great <laughs> way to finish off any podcast. I wanted to add one thing about um, Brighton. We have you know the, these are just random rumors. There might not be anything to them, but there have been some linking us to Basuma when Ginny leaves. So it's just another thing to, you know, keep an eye out for him. He's a good player. I remember when we played him earlier in the season. I really enjoyed watching him. Um, you know, so it's another interesting thing to kind of look at. Well, hopefully we, that we'll, um, we'll, we'll stroll through the Brighton game and we'll be fit and firing to go for the jugular um, when we, uh, when we meet City next Sunday. And until then, um, oh, la- last word. You, 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 you left it till the very end to mention VAR. I think it is worth pointing out if you did not see Salah's interview yesterday that he went out of his way to tell you how much he does not like VAR. Um, <laughs> and one of the VAR goals that he was ruled out was the one against Brighton. So just, you know, I don't know, maybe an extra incentive there. Good to see you both. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe. I'm sure you subscribed if you're listening to the very end, but thank you for subscribing. Thanks.